The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and I'm sure you are all breathing a huge sigh of relief. I am not alone this week. It's not just me. You're not just hearing me just giving my TED Talks and my therapy. So I have with me three amazing panelists who also all happen to be podcast co-hosts as well. So I'm very, very excited. I have Bex from Big Reputations Pod. You know, we've had Bex on before. This is Bex's first episode, though, of this year. And Bex's co-host, Kim, has been on earlier this year, has been on a ton, too. So we've had both of them on. And then Carla, I I think people are familiar with Carla. Carla is my... I don't know. They might be. (laughs) My unofficial (laughs) co-host, Carla, who... Hasn't really been on in a while, though, but uh, but she's here now, and I'm very happy to have her on, and she's the co-host of Bedwetter Behead Pod. And then Eshelle from co-host of Liberty Diner Dish, and that's about, you know, if you know what Liberty Diner is, we're not going to say the name of the show, but everybody should know what that is from. And last time you were on was for Pride Month, right? Okay, that's correct. Yes, there was going to be another one we were going to be doing soon, but unfortunately we can't do that one this year. We're going to do it next year. But I'm happy to have all three of you here with me today to talk about some pop culture and fandom news. So as we always start these, I want to start with knowing, Bex, what is one thing you are into right now in pop culture or fandom? All right, well, um, I'm going to go with a book that I recently read. It's a teen graphic novel. It's called Frontera, and it's written by Julio Anta and illustrated by Jacoby Salcedo. And it's a graphic novel that combines a border crossing story with a ghost story. So basically, the main character, Mateo, is traveling from Mexico to the U.S. without his parents so he can finish his last year of high school. Like He grew up in the U.S., but the family was uh, deported. And he didn't even know that he wasn't born there. Um, but he's trying to travel back by himself. And um, he he's a bit naive and impulsive and doesn't listen to the coyote that that he has been sent to to follow. He gets himself into some trouble on his own, but he encounters a ghost along the way. And this ghost is someone who... He helps him out. Uh, he was a queer man from like 70 years ago who had died trying to cross. Um, and so he tries to help him. Uh, basically, like Guillermo's story is sort of the historical context for border crossing stories, while Mateo's highlights some of the contemporary issues. But like because it's teen fiction, the way that it sort of strikes a balance between addressing serious issues with like a contemporary comic book format. I think it works really well um, and would probably resonate with a lot of readers. I love the art in this. Like Jacoby Salcedo as an illustrator is phenomenal. His use of colors is just, it's gorgeous. And they did a 
a book signing at a, a bookstore up in Queens the day the book came out. And for people who don't live in New York, Brooklyn and Queens might not seem that far away, but like it involved two transfers on the subway. So <laughs> it was a commitment when I went. Um, and I was very, very excited to meet them. I see them at Comic-Con each year. And so to see a project that they had been talking about for a year actually come to fruition and uh, be able to join them was, it was really awesome. I wish I could have them come speak to my students this year, but I don't have the budget. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And we will be talking about um, graphic novels in a few weeks. So just to let everybody know, I, this is an area that I am so unfamiliar with. So I'm going to be heavily relying on my panelists. I mean, I will look through some stuff, of course, and read up, but so, so let us know, um, listeners, let us know, DM us, message us, and let us know if there are any favorite graphic novels that you have, and maybe we'll give them a shout out on the show. So, yeah. And Carla, what are you into right now? All right. Well, I'll briefly mention this because I mentioned it on Jen's podcast. Now, Jen is the host of My Streaming Bubble, and she's also Aaron's podcast, Brain Twin, and they soon have their own uh, joint podcast coming out called Twin It to Win It. So you should check all of those things out. But I was recently a guest on her podcast, and I briefly mentioned that I am illogically obsessed with a series of Reddit. Um, of Okay, you know the Am I the Butthole uh, Reddit. Oh, yes, I'm like, am I the thing? butthole? Okay. But then I was like, oh yeah, it's Carla. <laughs> <laughs> am I the posterior orifice? <laughs> yes, that's a Reddit. So Smosh, this thingy online or whatever, they read some of the, the the stories, and I am illogically obsessed with the the guy who does most of them. His name is Shane Shane Top. And why am I so like into this young white man? I just I thought I was over this phase. And yet apparently I'm not. So I just wanted to put that out there as a bit of a confessional that if you ever thought that I was cool, I clearly am not. But more importantly, what I am actually into that is worth really talking about that is not a confession, but a brag is that I read a book. Well, most of one. I have a few pages left, but it's okay. It's not due until the 29th. And it's not a library book. Oh, I'm yeah, like, I should have mentioned until the 29th. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I failed to mention it's a library book, and you have to return those at some point. They they don't just let you keep them forever. It's so weird. It's called Family Lore. It's by Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Acevedo, and it just came out recently. It is so good. It's so good, and I'll I'll read you like the the little summary, which says sisters Matilde, Pastora, Camila, and Flor thought they knew each other well until okay. It, it just. It doesn't do a good job of summing it up. It's like basically telling you everything in the book. All right, look. Each of the sisters has their own particular gift, right? So um, Flor will have dreams where she knows where when somebody is going to die. So she'll have th this dream and know this person is about to die in like about how long. How long. Their mother could tell when somebody was going to be born. Um, another sister can always tell when somebody is being truthful or not. Another one has this gift of being like plants kind of like speak to her, not, not in actual speaking, but in that she can actually, you know, sense when they're good and what they're good for and everything with actually, you know, knowing this. If it's really, it's great. But the, the important thing is that Flor decides because she watched this documentary where this man threw himself a living wake. She's like, that would be nice. I want to do that. So she throws herself a living wake. And it throws the whole family into a frenzy because it's like, why? What do you know? Did you have a dream? Florida, what's going on? Like, is there something you're not telling us? And Florida's like, I just want people to say nice things about me to my face. Which, valid. Who wouldn't want that? And I, the writing is beautiful. And the, the, the book, it can be, you know how it can be difficult if you're reading something and it shifts through time periods? So yeah, it does that, but in a way that that makes sense. And even visually, they have a way of breaking it out so that you're not quite as confused. But the story, the, the, the sisters are from the Dominican Republic, and then they move to New York at some point. And you 
learn the stories behind why they decided to move. What is it that bonds them? What is it that keeps them from each other? And this is all told from their point of view, but through one of the, the sister's daughters, who is a, a, um, a professor and a scholar of Dominican history and, and art. Um, so it's like, you wonder like how much of it is kind of tainted through her view of her aunts and her mom. So it, it's, it's fascinating. And it's one of those books like you just don't want to put down. And I highly recommend it to anybody who, who, who likes fiction because there's a lot of Spanglish thrown in there. So if you're like, Oh, ew, other languages, who wants that? Well, you know, Google Translate is there for you. What can I tell you? It's <laughs> that simple. You know, you don't even have to like pull out a paper dictionary. Just tell Google, Hey, Google, like, what does this mean? And Google's going to be like, Oh my God, you xenophobe. <laughs> and then you'll be so happy that you read it. I'm very excited you mentioned that because it's been on my reading list all year and I was waiting for it to come out and I just haven't been able to get to it since it did. So I'm glad you loved it because I, I love her other books and I'm very much looking forward to reading that. It's a, it's a very, very, very good read. So far, I only have like 50 pages left, but I promise it, I don't, I can't imagine that it's going to suck in the next 50. All of a sudden, <laughs> I've lost like five pages. Can you imagine? It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, this may be the best book I've read. Like, uh, psych. <laughs> I really, when you said it's due, and I was like, do you have like a project with this or something? You know, like, book club? in my brain, it makes, it made sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's due. Yeah. Hello, duh. No, it makes sense. I forget it's that just- not everybody remembers that that they're not in my brain with me <laughs> check out libraries speaking of my podcast brain twin gen should always say check out libraries uh, yes yes so Ishel, what are you into right now so i have been obsessed with learning about the ballroom scene like specifically house ballroom culture that has been my thing <laughs> lately. Uh, I did not realize that drag pageantry went back to like the 1800s, like late 1800s. And so I've been reading about what I guess you could consider like an offshoot of d- drag pageantry featuring more Black and Latinx people um, because of racism and Eurocentric standards of beauty in the in drag pageantry in that world. And so how that turned into what is known as like house ballroom now. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm all about. And I mean, I love the freedom uh, of expression and just kind of the beauty of seeing this community, these communities of people gather. And I love when somebody's serving a look <laughs> or, or, you know, and it's just such a, I don't know, it's just such a beautiful thing to me. I've always known that it existed, but I've never really gotten into what's really going on with that and like the different categories and all that stuff. So that's been my current, my current obsession. And I know that there are some that happen around me. And if I can ever get myself to stay up past like 830 at night, I'm going <laughs> to go check one out. They start like when I'm in deep REM sleep. So <laughs> I got to figure that out. But yeah, all about the house ballroom culture right now. Awesome. No, that's, that's, that's great. And there's um, great documentary about that too and um and of course that one show so that we won't mention but <laughs> yeah cool well it's weird be- for me to come up with anything for this i will be quite honest but we recently carla and aaron a were there we recently recorded an episode for our patreon subscribers with a summer playlist so we put together yes i know summer's almost over but whatever. And we did a summer playlist. It's, we have an exclusive private Spotify one that we're going to have that it'll be out by now. And so if you're a Patreon subscriber, seven day free trial, three bucks a month at the three bucks a month level, you can get access to this playlist. You can listen to us talk about what we put on there. I did different, I did 10 different categories for people to select one from. And, um, in doing that, I rediscovered some music that I haven't really listened to in a long time. And the album that I, I don't know, I hate saying rediscovered because I still listen to it a lot, but 
uh, was London Calling by The Clash. And this is an album that I used to listen to all the time when I lived in New Mexico and in Taos. And I, it was my Walking Around the Track album. And I mentioned this also in my Ask Me Anything episode for music as well. It was an answer to Carla's question about zombies and what I would put on to get rid of stupid outrun zombies. I don't know if she's listened to the episode, but spoiler, if you haven't, I picked um, The Clash is London Calling because of the fact that I used to listen to this while walking around the track in New Mexico, and it just was like motivational there. So rediscovering The Clash is what I'm into and we will be talking about The Clash in November as part of my birthday month. That's one thing that changed on our schedule. And I'm really excited to talk about them. I will forever be sad that I never got the chance to see them in concert because, you know, sadly, Joel Strummer passed away. Um, and there's a great, great documentary that now I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's a great documentary. Go look it up about Joel Strummer as well. And, um, you know, and who he was as an artist and how he wanted to use music uh, as a way of speaking out about stuff and politics and uh, wanted to change the punk scene a little bit too. So I just think it's really, really interesting. He was an amazing artist. So that's what I'm, I'm sort of into right now. So. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, so moving on, Bex. What is one thing right now that you are just really excited about, you're very pissed about, you're middle of the road about? One of those. You're just blah about maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go with excited. <laughs> um, I'm excited for New York Comic Con. Uh, it's not coming up until October, but right now they're deciding on panels that will be presented there and I submitted a panel proposal. It's on the wait list right now, but I think they put a lot of them on the wait list. My theory is that they didn't have time to read through all of them and so they just <laughs> had a deadline. They're like, oh, we're going to wait list you. But um, because this happened to me last year, we were waitlisted for a couple weeks and then we got accepted. So my fingers are crossed. Mostly I hope the strike is over by then so that Everyone who was planning on coming can still come uh, and they can talk about whatever they want to talk about at that point. But if it's not, I'm interested to see how they address the panel situation, like what they do with them. You know, I love hearing about shows and films, but it would be really kind of cool to hear like Chris Evans is listed as coming. He could just come and talk about his dog for an hour and I would listen to that. <laughs> like... I, I'm okay with that, Chris Evans, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> totally. Totally. All the Chris's listen together. <laughs> and the Christians. Yes. They all, not the Christian religion, but all the, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we know what you <laughs> Sorry. I sorry. love the clarification though. I'm here for it. I'm sure that there are plenty of Christians who would listen to like half an episode and be like, oh my. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> These sinners. But like, even if the panels on on the shows and the the films and stuff get canceled, I'm excited to see what other panels they'll bring in, right? Because it gives them a chance to have more artist panels, more comic book panels, podcast panels, perhaps. That'd be cool. You know, just I'm a I'm a panel junkie when it comes to Comic Con. Like the show floor is great and everything, but I don't have a big budget to be spending on all that. So I just like to go to the panels. You know, my my husband and I have been going for. I don't know, probably close to 10 years now. And and I get to see a lot of online friends when I go to New York Comic Con. And because I live here, I can also go home at the end of the night and sleep in my own bed, which I really like. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've gotten more into comics and graphic novels in the last few years. So it's exciting for me to be able to like 
enjoy that side of Comic-Con. I think the first several years I went, there's like a whole corner of the show floor that's just like old comic books. And I would just be like, oh, that's not for me. And like skip. And now it's like, oh, there's something new there that I that I can kind of um, spend like a half hour or an hour just like digging through the old comic book. So that's what I'm excited for. That's awesome. I've never been to that one. Uh, my my goal is, and this is long term goal, is to have a panel at a convention. I really want to do that so bad. And I, I'm I'm like you when I go to conventions. Except for like when I've gone and I've gone with media, that's a little bit different but because you're doing a lot of interviews and stuff. But I prefer going to the panels too because, number one, I'm not really big into shopping. And even though I like going there and seeing the the craft and the artwork and there might be stuff that I want to buy and I may I, I allow myself to buy maybe one thing if I might – I kind of force myself to – but I'm like you. I would rat, much rather sit there and listen to an artist talk about art for a while than to go on that floor. And with the strike, the one blessing I would think is that, whoops, is that, yeah, maybe if they're talking about their dogs. But I think another thing would be talking about their process as well. So if, if they can't talk about a specific show or a specific movie, if they could talk about their process as an artist, because to me, that's a lot more interesting anyway than a lot of the questions you'll see asked at these conventions. So that's awesome. So someday I'll All right, Aaron. Next year, I'll submit a panel request for like a podcast, like pop culture podcast, and I'll put your name as a panelist. Everyone here, you're all on. <laughs> uh, I can't afford to fly you out here, but I was gonna you can say, stay at my house you once you get here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. I'm trying to think of ones that I want to do, and um, and I want to really iron it out. And I've never done anything like that, but I would, I'd, I'd love to. So that's on my, that's my bucket list. I'm item. hoping Tanya can make it too. She's on my panel application, so. She said she would come if panels that she's on get accepted. So I'm like, all right, let's go accept it so I can see Tanya again. <laughs> and they did, um, Tanya, they had a uh, they had a panel. They were on a couple of panels at San Diego Comic-Con. One I won't yes. mention because of the name of the show, but they had several on the, uh, that they were part of. Yeah, they, they do a lot of Comic-Cons, and I think that's, a lot. that's really cool. Um, a lot. I, it makes me so excited for them. <laughs> yeah, they've done a lot. They, yeah, they've done, they used to do one for another thing that I can't mention here. <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, not, I mean, we support, of course, it's just hard sometimes because you're like, oh, wait, I can't mention that. What the heck? Okay. So Carla, what is something that is revving your engine or making it stall? <laughs> that was so lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was fun. Well, what I'm really into right now, and I'll tell you why first, is that my my younger sister is super duper into BTS. She's like a she's totally army. She's a, a huge fan. She's gotten to go to some of the concerts recently, and she lives in Singapore. My mom visited her a couple months ago. And while she was there, my sister had a meet up with some of her her friends who are also ARMY. And by the way, when I say ARMY, for those who don't know BTS lingo, it's not like people show up in, in their in their camouflage and fatigues and stuff. And, you know, like with like a, a tattoo sleeve or whatever. Tattoo <laughs> sleeves are optional. But ARMY is what's, you know, the, the, the fan base of BTS. Anyway, so they, they had a meet up. And they were doing this little giveaway thing. And my mom <laughs> ended up winning a standee of Namjoon, which is hilarious because mom barely knows anything about BTS at this point. And so now my sister has this giant standee of Namjoon, which obviously my mom couldn't exactly just pack in her suitcase and bring home. But since then, my mom has been um, learning more about BTS and, you know, watching videos and watching their their little clips and their their shows and she's been really taken in by the choreography and by just how like genuinely nice the the members of BTS seem to be. So what I'm very into right now, very excited about is just the sharing of things that you love across generations and how if you are 
open-minded at any age and you're open to receiving excitement about something, you're never too old to become a new fan of something. You're never too old to come to appreciate something that the kids are into. And if you, and it, it, this is in a familial sense, but if you have like a, a really good relationship with your parents, and I guess maybe even if you don't, I don't know. And you can, but you feel safe to share something like that. That is a really rare and special thing, I think, to feel like your parents aren't going to mock you for your excitement about something that you're really into or for, you know, having, a, of joining a fandom, that kind of thing. And I really love to to see that. And I've seen it also with my friends and their kids, their kids becoming very excited about something. And then suddenly they are immersed in this world where they suddenly know everything about Minecraft or about Pokemon or, you know, whatever, whatever the kids are into <laughs> these days. But just that, that um, being open-minded and open-hearted can lead you to a more fulfilling and enjoy enjoyment-filled life and also bring you closer to people that you love. And again, this is not exclusive to familial relationships, just pointing it out, because in the case that I'm talking about, it is. But, you know, I don't know, it, it can be somebody that, that you talk to at work who's really into something and, you know, or you talk to, to them and they're older and suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so... Like, just, oh, th this thing, th this show that I can't talk about that you love, I've suddenly started watching and I'm super into it too. It's just a beautiful thing to be able to share that. Yeah, that that made me want to cry. But, uh, but no, it, no, I agree. It is. It's a very, um, you know, if you have people that are open to that, it, it's very nice and it is a good way to bond and in a very different way. You know, I, I recently, for some reason, it reminded me of a TikTok that I saw where um, this this woman and her mom went to go see the band Ghost in concert, and then they made a TikTok afterwards, and the mom is like, yeah, it was a really good show, costumes, all that. And then and then she ended, it was kind of funny, but it was like this bonding funny. It was like, but I think all of them are going to hell, but we're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> such a mom thing. And then the daughter was filming it, went back to her face. She's like, <laughs> but it was sweet in a way, too, because it was like this other generation discovering going to a concert and discovering the joy of it while still putting in that little remark there, but still discovering that joy and having that bonding moment. So I, I love that. That was beautiful. <sighs> so. Michelle, what is it that you're excited about or not excited about or mixed about? Okay, um, I'll go with mixed. I don't have anything substantial to add because the past two weeks of my life have basically been me trying to avoid responsibilities and my day job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have just been like head as deep in the sand as humanly possible. Like, yeah, like as long as I've got enough oxygen to survive, like I don't really care about anything else that's going on. But <laughs> I'm just doing what I can to get through the days, you know? Um, but I will say, and I don't know if this counts as pop culture or not, because I think I'm just like, so not the right generation for a lot of this stuff. But something that is kind of like, ugh, I kind of almost find it like, mm, some kind of like turn off or something is like influencer culture. And I know that's been around forever, but <laughs> I'm not a social media person. And I like just now came across this guy and I think his name is like Hayden or something like that. And he, I think technically is an influencer, but he makes fun of all these people. And so he does all these like, um, kind of like satire spoof videos where he's like, okay, you guys have been blowing me up about my secret ice water recipe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you don't know. I know y'all don't understand basic hydration. And you would like die if I wasn't telling you to like drink this water out of your Stanley cup. <laughs> and, and, so, and he does like all these things about like, you guys would walk around naked if I wasn't making these videos to show you what outfit to wear today. And, uh, and so he's hilarious with it. But at the same time, it's like, are we really sheeple like this to wear like, Anytime somebody tells us to do something, we automatically do it. I'm like, yeah, I think we kind of are. <laughs> so, so it's just exposing this weird thing about humanity for me with how 
we are so easily led and how we always will fall to worship something or someone. Um, and, uh, that's just kind of like a natural thing with humanity, but I guess just an awareness of like what we choose to give that worship to sometimes, like be it a Stanley cup or the pumpkin spice latte or, <laughs> you know, somebody's outfit of the day or like this new blanket that they have that everybody in the world has to have. So anyway, that's just kind of been this like weird thing for me that I've been, that I've seen lately, but the guy is hilarious. So I don't know the people that he's making fun of. So, but apparently he's friends with some of them. So whatever, maybe it's okay. It sounds like it could be a, a number of, <laughs> a lot of yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, influencers have been in the spotlight too with the, the strikes as well, because so many influencers have been, you know, were approached by studios and, and became scabs and crossed the picket lines and went to, you know, premieres and did, you know, their TikToks and did all that kind of stuff. And there's actually an account called Scabs of TikTok. And it just, it just shows all of like videos of <laughs> Carla got really excited. <laughs> yeah. Much like Marie Kondo, I like mess. <laughs> I do like mess. I do like some tea. I don't have TikTok, but maybe I should get it if there's tea on there. <laughs> TikTok is – I love TikTok. Okay, Ishelle. Okay, because this is also social media related. So it is pertinent, Erin, to what she's talking about. There's a thing called TikTok, mm. where there are certain big TikTok accounts that exclusively do tea and exposing people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, TikTok is – TikTok is an addiction, though. Just beware. <laughs> Followed. <laughs> um, but yeah, the scabs of TikTok is an interesting account because and they're not just talking it's it was started to mainly focus on um the SAG after NWGA strikes, but they have called out a person on there who scabs when nurses are on strike and is very like is a proud scabber when nurses are on strike. And so Yeah, like very proudly, like talks about it. So it's not just about, you know, the main focus is WGA and and, uh, SAG-AFTRA. But anyway, so check that account out too. Uh, Well, what I am excited about looking forward to is it's August and we're nearing the end of August. Of course, when this is dropping, it's the day before the last day of August and September. So that means it's spooky season. Yes, spooky season. It lasts right after 4th of July all the way through Yes, do not shake your head at me, Bex, because it does. there's no I'm argument. Just such, I'm there's just no such argument. a spring person that I find it funny because I'm like trying to imagine if spring people were like, it's February, guys, spring is here. And That's like, fine. nobody does that. No, but nobody does that because we like know that it's not spring. <laughs> well, but I'm just glad to see people enjoy it, honestly. Spooky season. Spooky season <laughs> can last all year long. Spooky season, it doesn't have to be fair enough. fall weather. I'm talking about spooky season, not fall season. But spooky season has started for sure. So, um, and, you know, for me, that's all year long. But I love spooky season. I've seen so many TikToks with people now decorating their lawns. I have a couple of decorations, Halloween decorations up already inside. Don't come for me, whatever. It makes me happy. So I love it. It's going to be very weird to not be home on ha- on Halloween, though, because I will be somewhere else. And so that's going to be very weird. <laughs> but I am packing my um i'm packing my shirt a couple i've tons of horror themed shirts but i'm packing my shirt and probably my sweatshirt as well end up wearing with my character that i collect a bunch of stuff from from those movies you know those scary movies with jamie lee curtis in them some of them so i will make sure that i have that your horror comfort character my horror comfort character it's like it's like taboo it, like the way we discuss this, it's like taboo, but you can't say the name of the show or the movie. But like, can yeah. I get you to guess it? <laughs> I love yes. it. Yes, but it is my horror comfort character, which sounds so weird, I guess. But but he is. Um, and you know, it's funny because I had said, speaking of embracing your joy of stuff and and um, spooky season, is I had said to myself, I can't 
buy any more stuff with my horror comfort character because I'm at like, I have like 25, 26, something like that. Things with my horror comfort character. And then I went to a ghost town a couple of weeks ago and we went into the shop and they had this huge bucket of stickers. And right there on top was my horror comfort character in the kitchen wearing an apron baking cookies. And I went, I had to get this sticker. <laughs> How can I not? And then I went, you know what? Who cares if I collect a hundred more things with this comfort character on them? It doesn't matter. I want all the things with this person on them. So I'm going to have them. So there you go. Eventually. <laughs> I can't really. If I got all of them, I would be broker than broke. But eventually it'll happen. So embrace that and happy spooky season. Okay, so for our last thing here, uh, we are going to talk about the, you know, just some updates about the WGA and SAG after a strike, in particular the WGA strike, because the WGA, um, you know, we had mentioned it a little while, uh, like a couple weeks ago, uh, Sarah and I were talking about how they were going to be coming to the table on August 11th and maybe something was going to happen. Well, they didn't really do much. They did some improvement, the AMPTP, in, in you know, negotiations. But they also, like, released what they were sending in the media as a way, a lot of people saw, as a way of kind of pressuring the WGA and maybe making the WGA feel divisive. And people say, well, this these proposals are okay. Let's do it. We want to get back to work. And then having infighting to kind of make people turn against each other. That's the way it came across to a lot of people. And they're still doing these things of like, you know, um, they, they've put in some proposals in there, but there's not, they're not all the great and wonderful. There's still some issues there, like with a showrunner for a show, usually a showrunner for a show. It used to be known that like, if you wanted to have a lot more power as a writer, television was the place to write. And the showrunner a lot of times would be a writer well, now the way it's worded, a showrunner can be just like someone that works for the studio or can be a producer or someone like that. So then it doesn't give the writers as much power. And I'll link to an article that'll show like all of what the AMPTP has proposed. But I did want to just read a statement from um, the WGA negotiating committee about where they stand right now and the negotiations and how they feel the AMPTP really kind of tricked them in a way. Um, so I'll read this. So on Monday of this week, we received an invitation to meet with Bob Eager, Donna Langley, Ted Sarandos, David Zasloff, and Carol Lombard Lombardini, Lombard, Lombardini, excuse me. It was accompanied by a message that it was past time to end the strike and that the companies were finally ready to bargain for a deal. We accepted that invitation in, and, in good faith, met tonight in hopes that the companies were serious about getting the industry back to work. Instead, on the 113th day of the strike, and while SAG-AFTRA is walking the picket lines by our side, we were met with a lecture about how good their single and only counteroffer was. We explained all the ways in which their counters' limitations and loopholes and emissions fail to sufficiently protect writers from the existential threats that caused us to strike in the first place. We told them that a strike has a price, and that price is an answer to all, and not just some of the problems that they have created in the business. But this wasn't a meeting to make a deal. This was a meeting to get us to cave, which is why, not 20 minutes after we left the meeting, the AMPTP released its summary of their proposals. So, um, Bex, I haven't heard any of your, I mean, I'm sure you're supporting the strikes or otherwise I'd be like, goodbye, I am, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I haven't heard any of your, your thoughts on this. So what are your thoughts on, uh, this development and any hopes of a resolution? <laughs> well, I mean, putting out their terms or f their position is so far from being in good faith and it's like bordering on unethical it might even i think they were talking about how they they were looking to see if it might have even like breached some sort of legal line i'm not so sure of but like i really i hope that it backfires on them and it seems to at least not have 
been successful so far. Like, uh, you know, there's always going to be a couple of voices who, who maybe speak out and say, oh, you know, no big deal. Uh, just like there were people who were like, I'm not going to, I'm going to keep talking about stuff even though I was told not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, like, even if they're offering some things, a lot of the major issues aren't being fully addressed, like especially the AI issue. I think, um, you know, they, there's like a surface addressing of that topic, but there's so many like loopholes and and ways in which they could manipulate the the terminology of that uh, that I don't I don't think it's safe for these writers to accept it, even if they were considering it, right? Because it's it as you were talking about with this this meeting that they had and it was basically just a you should you should like what we told you you know that's that's not a negotiation that's not a a conversation uh that's like a parent lecturing a child kind of thing and we're not here for any of that you know i think the data one is another interesting point right like oh we'll share this data with like certain people or certain type of data will share, but it's still not transparent enough, right? That transparency is a big part of the art. Like they're not even fully addressing the core arguments, let alone like the little things. You know, maybe they're making steps or they think they're making steps. I don't know, but like it's definitely not enough. And if the unions say it's not enough, then I'm with the unions. Right, they're the ones who know their their area best. They're the ones who know the work they do, the the compensation that they're not getting. I mean, I my husband gets um, quarterly checks from ASCAP, which is the musicians. Uh, it's not a union, but it's like sort of how they get all their their funds, and the way in which streaming works for music and how little pay comes from that. And he even has like music on shows and how little he gets for that. Like the fact that the actors are getting in the same boat and the writers are getting less and they're not getting the hours that they, that they need to survive, (laughs) let alone thrive. You know, they can't even get their health insurance, like all of that stuff. You know, I get it. Like the AMPTP is not just going to go like, okay, here's everything you want. Like they're not just going to come back tomorrow and be like, okay, you've got everything. But the fact that the unions are standing strong and saying, no, we're not given into this. Like it shows how crucial it is, right? The, when they had their strike years before with um, the issues of, what was that one? Now I forget what that one was. That was for the streamers specifically, right? The last writer strike, you mean? Yeah. Well, no, that was before. That was like the last writer strike was. But like, it was like in it. It was like right before streaming happened. It was, right? yeah. So and they didn't... they had mentioned it. Like they were like they were like we need to talk about this because that was when the internet was starting, and they were saying the AMPT we never said. Oh, that's not going to be a Don't thing. Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry it's not about a it. Thing. That's not a thing because they knew. And so they're like, well, we'll work at that later. And then that never yeah. happened. And that's, either, I so. think, the same trick they're trying to pull with the AI, right? And so um, that the unions are standing strong behind that, I think, is is something we all need to consider supporting. And also, just in general, I love that all of these unions are standing up and doing strike authorizations and like the there was some automotive union group that just did a strike authorization like yes workers unite stand up strike do what has to be done to get what you deserve to live so i yeah. i mean i think those thoughts are kind of all over the place but that's what i've got for you <laughs> no yeah i no i i i agree it is and um and i feel comfortable recommending this because it is an independent film and it deals with all of this once again i will never i will not stop talking about this movie but you can rent it you can own it for like the same cost as renting and that's the documentary americon and it's all about this and then you can listen to our interview with the director sean claffey and this is i think 
one of the most important documentaries you will ever watch. And it is about this and about unions and about the lie of capitalism and stuff. So go go rent that and support that that little independent documentary. So Carla, your thoughts? Much the same. I mean, it's demonstrable that the AMTPT is not coming to the table with any sincerity. They are showing up to do what they can to be as like they're being as disingenuous as possible as loudly as they can. And then they are trying to court public favor by saying, man, we're trying, but it's these writers who just, they keep screwing this up. If they would just stop being greedy, then we could get this over with and you could get all the entertainment that you want. And that's, that's not how we really want things. I think the the vast majority of popular culture consumers that I'm aware of are in support of the strikes. Just as so many people are in support of strikes and unions in general. So I don't really see people going out there being like, oh, you know, if you, if the writers would just, you know, like maybe cool off a little bit and back off on a couple of things, we can get back to, no, no, we're, we're not, just as they're not backing down, we're not backing down and backing them up. We are supporting to the end and the end doesn't come until the writers say we're satisfied with this proposal which is clearly not what's happening right now there um the amtpt first of all the fact that that like i can actually say the amtpt without faltering on a letter you know will tell you just the kind of publicity that this organization is getting they are not coming off as the good guys here as they want to they're coming off as the bad guys that they are like if, if you're writing a script about which by the way it would be like a really cheesy script with like a really obvious bad guy it could be like you know like one of those 90s movies where like it's, it's some white guy in a sports coat and like you know he drives up in a sports car with his blonde hair and like takes off his sunglasses hey i'm gonna tear down this forest and build condos and all of the the townspeople are like no but the forest and the animals and yeah so exactly <laughs> you know what i'm getting at but they are not doing themselves any favors. All these companies are only making it so that we are not interested in doing anything to support their means, which I think is great. And this AI question, you know, there was a, an anonymous person, and I wish I could remember what the, what the article it was, but an anonymous person told some writer that they kind of wish that they could just shelf the AI question until the future so that they could just move on with all of the other points. And it's like, you can't, you know, I understand wanting to do that, but you can't do that because we have seen, just like Beck said, that this organization will not play fair down the line. They are not going to come back to the table in six months or even three months, if it came down to it, to give a fair deal on AI. So it has to be tackled now before they can exploit writers any more than they already do with this these AI shenanigans. Uh, they're already, you know, making noise about, oh, we're going to, you know, just generate... Oh, there was something very specific about how what they want is to generate scripts and have the writers touch them up. And the reason for that is to circumvent copyright law, because you cannot copyright AI-generated material unless there's human intervention. So if you have a writer touch it up, then suddenly it's if it's touched by human hands, then it is copyrightable. So, and you better believe that those writers who do the touch-ups are not going to get any fair money. But more importantly, now you're supporting AI-generated writing output which is not i don't know like i just watch in 30 years people will be like oh that is so anti-ai like oh my god like you know like it, this is like we're back in the 1800s but for right now in 2023 i don't care down with ai and down with the amtpt it can dare lick my balls <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so <laughs> isha 
Okay, I have to admit that for a very long time, I didn't know why they were striking, like all the details, but I am the kind of person like, if my friends are like, we need to metaphorically pull up on someone, then I'm like, let me get some snacks in my purse and I'm ready, like for whatever the fight is. Like, I don't have to know the particulars, but if we're going, we're going. Uh, so that's kind of how I approached it. And of course, we are trying to, you know, stand in solidarity with our podcast too. And so, I mean, everything that we do is TV shows and movies. And so we're, like, we're just going to wait out for it. We're going to hang out for a while, <laughs> you know, before we get back to it. Um, but I think, you know, most people assume that it's just a bunch of multimillionaires complaining and crying for more millions. But it really is people from the top to the bottom of a production, or I'll say like from the front to the back of a of a production. And yeah, there are some people who can afford for this strike to go on, but there are many who cannot. I mean, where they're like, I need work because I need a paycheck, you know? And so they are really sacrificing for, for this strike and trying to honor it. And that's why, you know, another reason why when people are scabbing, that's a huge slap in the face. So these other people are like, okay, I'm not able to pay my rent or I'm not able to, you know, do these basic things. Or I had to shift my whole life around to be able to fight for what we deserve. Um, so, but I can see how that would be used to create some in fighting and to prompt a divide and conquer strategy, which that sucks. Um, yeah. And Carla mentioned like courting public favor. And I think it goes back. To, so I forget what show it was, or I don't know. Oops. I don't even watch TV. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I would have saw it, but it was some little news clip thing. And the person was saying like they were championing, championing AI and they were saying, yeah, imagine if like your favorite show, your favorite movie, it never has to end. Like AI can just keep writing scripts for, for these characters that you love and we can keep populating these actors and actresses that you love. And so you, you'd be able to watch like 50 more seasons of this show that you're such a fan of. And they made it all sound so great and good because I hate when my shows end. <laughs> but then you listen to what they're saying. You're like, wait a minute. This can't be right because you're taking what was someone else's creation, the story idea, and then now you're using AI to run with. And even you have these little touch-up things like from people, you're getting the cheapest person you can find, not the people who really built this thing. And then, yeah, forcing, using the actor's likeness in these, I don't know, just the whole thing is just like, this is wrong and weird. And so they're trying to make, like, sell us on the good points of, of AI or, or convince us, like you said, that they're just whining and complaining and they just want to multiply their millions. <laughs> and so I'm very proud of the ones who have stood firm. Um, and, uh, I mean, it kind of helps that everything I watched went off there 10 years ago. <laughs> so it's not like I'm missing any current stuff, you know, nothing that I love is being held up in production, but I'm very proud of the people who are standing firm um, and in solidarity with these unions uh, to fight for what they deserve. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, the people who are holding the purse are not the people who, um, even if they funded the project, you're not the one who wrote it. You didn't act in it. You didn't bring it to life. You, you know, like. You did very little, so why should you benefit the most from this? And, um, yeah, I mean, all they're asking for is a little bit of fairness. So, yeah, like Beck said, I'm with the unions. You know, if they say this offer won't cut it, then it won't cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, my gosh. You know, as much as I would love certain shows to go on forever, I also think that would be absolutely miserable because, <laughs> oh, my gosh, the AI versions of certain shows that I'm picturing in my head right now. Holy crap. But we already saw what happened when a certain show went on for 15 seasons, when it went like seven seasons past where it should have ended. We already know what happens when humans do it. Can you imagine when AI does it? No, thanks. So, Aaron, in in the interview that you and I do, we're talking about this book of short stories and... The there's one story that I mentioned tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the interview, but anyway, yes, yeah, the one that was happening in the year 2148 or whatever. And there is a show that they're on season 130 something of the show, and it's just because the actors don't age. It's not because AI is being used. Like even even this collection of short stories couldn't have thought that that was the way it would go. Like we need to know, no, just no. That's that's creepy. And I I watch soaps, and I know those have been on forever. But to me, that's kind of different because it's not like you're using 
the same. You're not using like AI versions of the uh, and do and and before anyone says because all of a sudden it popped in my head, someone might say this before you compare this to fanfic. This is not the same thing because fanfic is actual people, human beings writing stories, and they're not being like produced anyway. But although you know, I do think some people do steal ideas from those, but. There, but that's not the same thing. I just wanted to put that out there because all of a sudden I thought in my head, someone's going to say that and they're going to use that against people and say, well, you write fanfic, so you should. So I don't think that's the same. Keyword thing. right. Exactly. AI right. doesn't exactly. write. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, well, I'll just end this with, I'll just add, um, and this is from a blog post or an article on allyourscreens.com by Rick Ellis that was posted on the 23rd of August. And I just want to point out just one part of this. It says, this I think sums up everything really, honestly, what they're doing too, is Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos is reportedly concerned that if they give a fair deal to writers and actors in the U.S., that it will set a precedent for writers, actors, in other territories to ask for fair deals. And mind you, we're not even talking about a huge amount of money that they're I asking know. for. It's a small they percentage. could be asking for a lot more. They're asking for below 1% in some cases yes. with some of these studios. They're not asking for the moon. Yes. They're, they're not asking even enough to make a significant dent in anybody's pocket who is an executive, which is a shame that it even has to be put that way because none of these people should have that much money to begin with. They're not the ones doing the work. They are not the ones sitting for hours and hours and hours going through the painstaking process of creating something, bringing it to fruition so that somebody can stand there and say these these lines and amaze us or even underwhelm us. Who cares? But the absolute greed is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And how dare we want people around the world to also get a fair wage? <laughs> or how dare we want people oh in God. other industries to get a fair wage? Like, exactly really, you're saying is. the quiet part out loud. <laughs> it's, it's just gross. It's so gross to me. It's so when I saw that, and, and I want to say, I want to recommend, if you're going to follow any, any industry I- entertainment coverage uh, publication or account, Please follow discussing film because I want to say, I, I want to say a lot of these publications and um, a lot of the well-known ones, they do not write the headlines the best. I don't think like a lot of times they're writing it more in favor of the AMPTP, and a lot of that's because they're kind of in the pockets for them. So follow discussing film because discussing film does not sugarcoat things. And whenever they are posting something, you know who they're supporting because they, they will phrase it in a way that's just like, fuck you, basically. And it, and also saying, look at what you're actually doing, you greedy bastards. So it's like, so I just want to recommend that if you're going to only follow one person or one account covering this, follow Discussing Film. That's my recommendation. Okay, well, we are going to wrap up, but I did want to just add, and I, I'm, I'm adding this because um, I I learned today that when we're recording this that someone that I was friends with when I was in film school, um, and trigger warning here for, for suicide, um, they recently lost their battle with mental illness, and they recently died. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is, um, and they were a very creative, beautiful person, and um, I think we still don't look at mental health and mental illness and mental health struggles as a real illness and a real disease and something that people are battling. And you know, we we don't look at it as much as we should. I don't think. I still don't think we do. I know we have made a lot of strides, and it's a lot better, but I still don't think we look at it. Um, as much as we should. And yes, I know it is. it may sound cliche and stuff, but I think a lot of people who are very creative people and very, and I think empathy does come with a lot of that too, but I think a lot of creative people do struggle with a lot of mental health stuff as well. And so I just want to just say, please just... Um, if you are struggling, try and reach out for help. I understand how hard it is 
check in on people. You can't always tell when someone's at that point. You just can't. A lot of times people will not present that they're at that point when they are at that point. And don't shame people for their mental health and for their struggles with that. And don't shame people and don't shame that that death either. Um, because I think that actually does a lot of harm. I'm not saying glorify, but you know, don't shame. And just sending love and and light to um her family and friends and to people out there struggling because I know it's it's a daily battle that we all um that a lot of us struggle with in silence and don't ever talk about. So let's try and just end the stigma there. And that's why I try to talk about it a lot more on here and try to be open about mine. So that's all I wanted to say. So we'll just end with that. But I just wanted to add that there that, um, yeah, so sending light and love to people who are struggling right now. Okay, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. I'm going to go around and have my panelists tell tell everybody where they can be found and their podcast. So, Bex? All right, well, I'm... I don't have my app set to auto update, so I'm still on Twitter. I still have the bird logo because I won't update the app. Um, but uh, you can find me at a single man tier on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast Big Reputations podcast at Big Rep Pod on Twitter and Big Reputations Pod on Instagram. My other uh, podcast, Coach Beard's Book Club can be found at Beards Book Club on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And Carla. Thank you, Erin. You can find my podcast, Bedwetter the Head, whatever, wherever you get your podcast on. You can also find us uh, for now, mostly just retweeting stuff that other people tweet that tags us in it on Twitter at bedwetbeheadpod on instagram we are bed.wet.behead.pod on tiktok we are at bedwetbeheadpod and we also have a website go find out what it is try your luck just a combination of bedwetorbehead.com bedwetbeheadpod.com bed or bedwetorbehead.com.pod i don't know <laughs> figure it out i i believe in you you could do this you can also find me and my art and my musings on Instagram at Carla Temis or my one TikTok on TikTok at Carla Temis. And you can also look at my website where I have other stuff too. That is carlatemis.com, C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. And I appreciate the finger tapping, Erin. <laughs> That's what I did this time, was finger tapping on my head for Carla's website. <laughs> Uh, and and Ishel. You can find my podcast, uh, Liberty Diner Dish, wherever you stream your podcasts. And we also have Pink Plate Special. We are currently pausing for some strike observance stuff, but there are old episodes there that you can that you can check out. Um, I'm gonna put this out here because maybe I'll like make myself actually launch it but i also have a book podcast coming out called let's talk about rex um so um yeah so that is on the way so you'll be able to uh check that one out too and we do a bunch of uh kind of all genres but it's all stories featuring um queer characters queer storylines queer experiences things like that so let's talk about rex is coming that that title is amazing That's great. That's great. Yay. That that makes me happy. I hadn't heard any updates on that. So, yay. And this is Erin. Remember, you don't want to follow me. You want to follow Fergie. Yes. Even though I did do two TikToks that did use AI, I understand this the hypocrisy in doing that. I just wanted to see her as a Disney princess, okay? And she looked adorable. <laughs> and as a Barbie. So... <laughs> Um, but Fergie's TikTok is Schroeder and at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S C H R O E D E R A N D F E R G S. Yes, it is long, but it is worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter. I too will not use that other one, but I like the Zwitter. I think that's a good <laughs> compromise. 
us as well. But on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod, no, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. We do have a Fandom Thingers Discord channel. The link is in the show notes. There's not really much activity there, but go there. You can talk to some of your favorite podcast panelists there. Um, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So if you're part of the WGA or SAG after and you'd like to discuss the strikes with me, uh, our mics, mics are open. So please feel free to reach out. And while you're on the website, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today. And as I mentioned earlier, seven-day free trial at the three bucks a month level. We have lots of great bonus content. A lot of it I can't mention, (laughs) but it was recorded before the strikes. And like I said, we'll have a great, we have a great one on there now about our summer playlist that Aaron A. and Carla came up with along with me and just lots of great bonus content. Plus you get ad free episodes. So if you're hearing ads in this episode and you want to be like down with capitalism then go <laughs> go and become – although you're still doing capitalism in a way, but you're supporting an independent artist, so it's a little bit different, okay? <laughs> it's the good kind of capitalism. It's not crapitalism. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So head on over to the link in the show notes or go to support us on our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. And the biggest way you can support us and all of the podcasts on the panel today and any, any indie podcast out there that you love is to rate – us five stars on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget you can do that on Spotify as well. Or the biggest thing you can do, share, 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 share. Share an episode. Tell your friend, tell your neighbors, tell your cat, tell your dog, tell your iguana. Just tell them to listen and they will thank you for it later because it is a huge, huge ocean of content out there and it's very hard for us especially, you know, come on, let's change that meme of just the white guys sitting around a microphone. Let's make that different. Okay. As far as like for what every podcast looks like. So let's make, let's, let's be the change people in the podcast world. Okay. Well, on our next episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I am recording separate interviews. I've recorded two of them already with my three amazing panelists discussing one of their favorite books. And it's just short little interviews that I did. And I didn't know what their favorite book was. And so they told me then. And they had, I didn't prep them for the interview questions either. So it was like, you know, a challenge on both sides. But I think it's fun. So that will be on the next episode. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.